know, some guys are a little more particular. For example, uh, love Paul Canerco to death, um, but he was just a very meticulous uh, player. You know, he had to have everything organized by color and, and his locker. He'd come in in his street clothes and he'd put his shoes in the same exact spot. All the white shirts on one side, all the shorts on the other side. The great Mike Strubin, White Sox bat boy, 2005 World Series champion. The piece at WGNRadio.com by WGN reporter, anchor, Joe Brand, who joins us now on 720 WGN. Hi, Joe. Hey, Joe. Hi, fellas. How's it going? <laughs> we're we're having it, an interesting evening, I'd say. Is it weird that I've listened to your Mike Strubin piece five times? Five times? Yeah, that's a little weird. I was hoping at least one for you. So five times just, wow, that exceeded my expectations. Joe, totally. I mean, you did such a good job on that. I have to say, I was listening to this piece, and I was like, you beat me at my own game. This was like yeah, what you, I would do like 10 years ago. You outburnfielded me. You, like you It's did, way better than anything I ever put together. That's a great way of putting it. You outburnfield Burnfield brand. I, I guess mission accomplished then. Jeez. <laughs> uh, well, you know, podcasts are in right now. Documentaries are in. So I just figured strike while the iron's hot. I mean, whatever. It was it was stupid, but it was fun. It was stupid fun. And, you know, he had a lot of good stories to say. He was a fellow Southsider. Uh, he, he's uh, married into one of my high school friends. So I thought, you know, with all this going on, everyone's reliving the Bulls championships, the Hawks championships. You know, why not relive 2005? And, and what a better way to do it than in the eyes of somebody who was in the dugout but, but wasn't a player. He, he had a lot of really cool stories. Any White Sox fan would have loved to just be a fly on the clubhouse walls during the championship season. Well, a teenage Southsider got that opportunity, and so much more. Mike Strubin was 16 Are years old this when the Sox thing? ended their 88-year championship drought. He was the Go to WGNRadio.com, but it's, it's so good. It's so, it's so, it, it I, is really it, good. It, 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 it pulls at the, at the heartstrings, Joe Brand. So, well, sorry, go ahead, Joe. Well, what I was going to say is it's funny because the first thing we talked about is in 2003 is when he realized, like, he had the dream job. He's sitting at U.S. Cellular Field, it was called at the time, uh, taking pictures with Jamie Moyer and Esteban Loiza and and just totally soaking it all in, like, with all these all-stars. And I thought to myself, I remember 2003. I remember begging and pleading my parents to try to figure out a way for me to catch fly balls in the outfield for the home run derby, and that wish never came true, and that's when I realized this kid just lived out all my childhood dreams. Ah, so you were jealous of Strubin. Strubin. Very, very. Yeah. We talked for we talked for two hours with that whole <laughs> that whole thing. I, I just couldn't get enough. He just kept story after story and uh he was just reliving the glory days and I mean again, they, I know I know it says it in the intro, but where else would you want to be at, a, at being a 15-year-old baseball fan? No, I mean, I, I agree. That was awesome. That was one of the things that I thought was so good about the piece, Joe, to be honest, was just that the idea of like to, of talking to someone who would be living this experience that literally any fan would want to, and especially at that age, right? Like, you're old enough to appreciate it, but you also still have some of that childlike 
you know, um, there's this mystique about everything that, that you have when you're a kid that you wouldn't have as an adult. So, like, to get his stories on it, that was great stuff. I mean, I, I, what, what would you say, um, of all the things that he told you, was something that, that resonated most with you in terms of just, like, his experience with that? Definitely towards the end where he talks about how being on the bus with Aaron Rowan, Joe Creedy, Ed Farmer, and Jeff Blum, and just seeing those guys' reactions to the city of Chicago going nuts at the parade. Like, it, it, I, the one thing I realized is when you're a professional athlete, not that I realized this being a professional athlete, clearly. You had a great career, but, Joe. <laughs> but when, you know, it's your job, it's your daily routine, everything just feels real in the moment because, you know, you're a player, this is your life. But it's not until after it all happens to think, wow, that, that really happened. We were a part of this. And I, I think you hear it from athletes a lot when championships are won and you go to those parades, you see how many lives it touched and just how it meant so much more for the fans and the players sometimes. And it's just it's so, it's so unique to see these players try to just comprehend that. Like, wow, I did something, not for you, but by me doing it really affected you and really uh, ben- you really benefited from it. And all I was doing was trying to do my job. So I thought that was really cool. The other cool thing was I asked him at what point in the 2005 world, or I'm sorry, the 2005 season, do you think they could really win the world series? And he went back to a game, Sox Dodgers, middle June. It was a Saturday. Uh, I think the Sox were down by three runs in the ninth and they come back and win it on an A.J. Pierzynski walk-off homer. And he was, like, kind of missing some of the details. And I was like, was it a Saturday? Was it against the Dodgers? And he's like, yeah, yeah, it was. And I'm like, that's so crazy. I remember my dad telling me in the car, we were listening on the radio, and he's like, you know what? This is a very special team. That was a game they had no business winning, and they did. And I'm like, you're right. Like, you hit it right on the head. I think a lot of people felt that way. Uh, when A.J. hit that walk-off homer against the Dodgers. In the world of a baseball clubhouse, there is an endless amount of unwritten rules. One of the most difficult ones to describe is having feel. Feel is like swagger. You either have it or you don't. Check out the piece, WGNRadio.com. Hold on a second. Does it ever get old to get mocked by Carmen on the let, station? Let, let me just. Well, this that was amazing. When he went into feel and swagger, I was like, "This is incredible. This is this is no one has ever gone this in depth on a Bat Boy in the history of baseball. No one's ever done this, and we have the benefit of having Joe Brand on the air right now. You, you, Joe. Let me ask you something. Didn't you recently get married? Is that true? I did, January fourth. Okay, and and and. I'm just trying to do the math in my head. So you're, you know, you're freshly married. You're, you're a busy guy. But yet you spoke to a for two hours. You had Mike Struben on. That's amazing. <laughs> we're, we're all quarantined. What else are we doing nowadays? Yeah, I, I, I said, hey, you know, I'd like to talk about the 2005 season. You got some time? He said, sure. He just got finished walking his dog or something. I could hear him making a drink, and we just kept going and going and going, and then. That, that's the whole thing. You got to dumb it down to, to 15 minutes is what it turned out to be. But, but hold on a second here. You I ne- think we need like the ESPN Plus version where you like release all the unedited interviews. At what point does Struben think you're just out of your mind that you're still talking to him after 60, 90, <laughs> 85, 100 minutes and you're still going? I mean, if I was... I, I asked that question to myself multiple times, and I even asked that to him. I go, listen, dude, if you have something to do, please just... 
just end it. Like, we, we don't even have to pick back up later on. Like, this is good. He's like, no, no, this is great. I haven't talked about this much uh, of that season in a long time. So he was just as on board as I was, thankfully. Otherwise, I, mean, I just would have looked like a complete lunatic. Have you talked to him for two hours? Is there like a 20-minute soliloquy on Mansu Lee? Because if there is, I want to hear it. What about the Juan Uribe ground out on July the 8th? Did you, did you think when he moved the runner over to third that that was the moment? <laughs> what, what did you come up with for two hours of conversation? Burnfield, this, Brandon Burnfield, you, you like tr- quadruple Burnfield, Burnfield. You, I know. You really outdid me. The, the, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a humility at this point. <laughs> well, like I I mean, I got Brian Anderson's pin number during the whole thing. I, I, I found out what Jim Tomey was tipping him. I mean, it was it was some cool stuff. But That's awesome. Yeah, it was, what was uh, Tomey tipping? What I do know is Tomey was tipping him the most. That was the oh, biggest tip okay. he had gotten. Okay. And apparently he says Jim Tomey is exactly who you think he is, one of the nicest humans in the world. Okay. Yeah, that's that would surprise no one. That he he did say he got, uh, he got a counterfeit bill once, though, too. Interesting. Wow. From who? Uh, he didn't know. Because, I mean, it, you know, you get oh, all that okay. cash right away. I mean... I'm not going to go ahead and say it was Esteban Loaiza because I don't know that for a fact. So it was uh, but, Esteban Loaiza got it, okay. No, no, I honestly, he didn't even, <laughs> like I said, he didn't know. He didn't even know because, is it the IRS, is that the, the correct uh, company or whatever sure. organization that would come after it? He said he got notified like a few months later, yeah, you got a counterfeit bill, you're not getting this $100. That, that was basically the end of it. Joel Brand with us here, WGN Sports at 720 WGN. Uh, and, Brand, and for people who should know, Joe, uh, who don't know, that Joe's the, the voice of the, the Kane County Cougars, so you do have additional time on your hands right now with no baseball, right? I mean, <laughs> normally, if that was going on, you probably wouldn't have done the Mike Struven piece. All these years of mastering my clubhouse feel, and now I've got nothing to do with it, so I had to talk to somebody else who had clubhouse feel. You're also covering the Blackhawks for us. What what do you know about the NHL Players Union approving a player playoff format that's going to send 24 teams to the postseason if and when the league uh, lifts their coronavirus lockdown? So, I mean, what I know is they're waiting on the NHL to approve this. And when it happens, which it probably will, and it could happen in the coming days, that doesn't mean, all right, let's pack the bags and go play hockey. They still have to figure out uh, all of those situations. But I think that's also what's kind of holding up, uh, figuring out or rather finalizing this whole playoff scenario. I mean, they still need to figure out where these teams are staying. Are they able to stay with their family? How frequent will coronavirus testing be? And the other big one is where are these teams going to be able to train? I mean, it seems like the two options are you can train at your home facility or you can train at one of the hubs that they would end up choosing to be. It sounded like it was originally going to be four cities throughout the United States and Canada. Now it sounds like it's going to be two um, because clearly every team – or rather every state that a team is located needs to match the federal laws that allow the team to practice in their facility. Uh, I mean, we're not talking about will fans be able to go to the games and, and travel restrictions there because it doesn't sound like fans would be able to attend any of these games, but it, it looks like uh, a world where 24 teams make it, and that's being the top 12 teams in each conference, the top four teams in each conference would battle it out for seeding, and then the following eight teams after those top four teams, they match up in a best-of-five series. Uh, 
And the way they found out, or rather decided on that amount of teams, is so that anybody that was on the bubble trying to get into the playoffs with however many games they had left in the regular season before this all went down, whether it be 10, 11, or 12, those teams still get a fair shot of being the actual 16 teams that make it to the postseason. Now, like the Blackhawks benefit almost the most out of any team in this whole situation. They had a less than a 3% chance of making the playoffs, and then if this does all go down, they're in a best-of-five series against Edmonton. Now, granted, yeah, the Hawks would have the lowest seed, number 12. They'd go against Edmonton, which is number 5. Unless they do some reseeding. Well, no, even if they do reseeding after the first round, the Hawks would face the Blues because the Hawks are the lowest seed. So the Hawks and that would be the next... The Hawks, are winning, the Hawks are in the playoffs and they're going to win the cup, right? Basically? Well, well, so honestly, that's what teams were afraid of because they originally uh, recommended a best of three series with this whole situation. And they were like, we don't want to play the Blackhawks in a best of three series. I mean, the Hawks already beat Edmonton two games out of three this regular season. You're going up against Patrick Kane, who's lightning in a bottle for three games. No team wants to do that. They want to have their best chance of actually advancing on. So that's why. They wanted to do a best-of-five series, not solely for the Blackhawks, but they're clearly a team that you don't want to face in just three games. That is crazy, though. The idea that the Blackhawks would had a 3% chance of making the playoffs and now could like make this like miracle run during the pandemic. Stanley Cup. Yeah. It's a pandemic it Hawks. Kind of, it, it kind of reminds you of 2013, right? I mean, clearly the Hawks were by far the best team that year, but it, we didn't even know if we were going to have hockey that season, and then... As soon as the season starts, three weeks into it, the Hawks are on this incredible run, never losing a game. And then they go on to, you know, beat Detroit, overcoming a 3 1 deficit, and then go on to win the Stanley Cup. I mean, it, that year was crazy. Yeah. It, 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 we're talking about a totally different team now. I mean, you're talking injuries, older players, but I mean, they've got the playoff experience. They've got some hungry players. I mean, you think about it. The Hawks haven't been to the playoffs in three years. They haven't had a playoff win in four years. They haven't won a playoff series since they won the Cup in 15 against the Tampa Bay Lightning. So, I mean, there are guys, there's still a good chunk of that core that are eager to play some playoff hockey. So you've got to imagine that they'll be really eager if they, they get into a postseason this year. Joe Brand, great stuff. Bobby J has hey, wasted no time becoming a clubhouse personality, and it's probably because of the instant impact he had on the pitcher's mound. Look at the musical transition. That was an excellent fade. It's so good. One other thing about Bobby Jenks. Um, <laughs> apparently, he, he and Struben were good. Like, Struben really liked Bobby Jenks. Bobby Jenks really liked Mike Struben. And the team was on a seven-game winning streak. And Struben said, I can't go to the game tomorrow. I've, I've got something, whatever it was. And Bobby Jenks is like, are you kidding me? We're on a seven-game winning streak, and you want to take the day off? So he took the day off. Came, they lost that day. He comes back, and I didn't put this in the piece because clearly it's different times, but there was a French maid outfit in Struben's locker. What? And and the team made him wear the French maid outfit throughout the day during his job. Not during the game, but he's delivering mail. He's walking through the tunnel next to Jerry Reinsdorf in a French maid outfit saying, oh, hey, how's God. it going, owner of the White Sox? Now, 
clearly, again, different times, you know, this is something you don't typically like or, or want to see in a clubhouse or any kind of locker room. But if you see anybody, no matter their gender, walking around in a French maid outfit, you're going to get some eyes, some heads turned and some eyes widened. But yeah, that was apparently another one of the pranks that Bobby Jenks did. Was that an hour one or hour two of the Strubin conversation? <laughs> <laughs> that, that was pushing hour, hour one, and I was like, wow, this guy's just full of more stories. I got to get some more from him. Do you think Strubin would like to talk to me to further the story? Uh, I, I don't see why not. I really don't. Okay. All right. I mean, I might have to – I kind of want to do a deep dive hey. on his conversation with you for another piece. <laughs> so we'll just, we'll just do a piece on that then, and it'll, we'll just constantly go with more and did more you, pieces. Did you ever think that a radio reporter would call you up and talk to you for two hours about the 05 White Sox and you and a French maid, and his name would be Joe Brand, who was in, in the middle of a pandemic while he wasn't doing Kane County Cougar games? And I just texted him one day because I got his number. Hey, Mike, with WGN Radio, would love to talk about the White Sox. He goes, yeah, sounds good. And then, like, the next day he goes, wait, what is this for? <laughs> like, who are you? Why are we doing this? And I'm like, listen, man, you don't have, you don't have to do this. You don't. Like, there, I, there's no deadline on this thing at all. I'm just kind of really bored and really want to do something. So, so yeah, we, we had a good time with it. Great job, man! Double awesome work, despite Carms and Sesson mocking. It was great work. Uh, it's 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 mocking with a with a heavy dose of praise. It was a great job by you, Joe Brand. So thank you for being on tonight and having fun with it. All right. I appreciate it, fellas. Hey, really quick, do you remember the last time us three were on a show together? Oh my God, no, I I do not. So 2013, you two are filling in for the David Kaplan show. <laughs> I'm producing. We play a game called None of Your Business that I think you both fondly remember. And for some reason, one of the callers wanted to ask me who my least favorite person on the show was. Oh, and you chose me probably, right? <laughs> Carm's girlfriend was sitting there, and I, I was like, hey, what about her? And then Carm's like, nope, nope, doesn't count. And I didn't want to seem like a pushover. And I was, and so you yeah, buried so me. I, yeah, I, I, kinda, threw, I do I, have a vague memory of you burying me. <laughs> I threw Jordan under the bus, but then I felt <laughs> really bad about it. And then after the show, we went to the Billy Goat. We had a good laugh about it. Oh, so, my uh, God. I still love you, Joe. I appreciate that. I appreciate you not having any hard feelings after all these years, Jordan. <laughs> Honestly, I probably would have never remembered that for the rest of my life had you not brought it up. It's one of my favorite Joe Brand things that I'll get the occasional random email from Brand, like, and it'll be a clip from something during that era, which was a very fun era, by the way. That was, that was an era. Brando, you're the man. Thank you, brother. Be Appreciate you be, guys. Yeah, Thanks, Joe. Be safe out there. Joe Brand, WGN Sports. The Mike Strubin piece is fantastic. Check it out at WGNRadio.com. Come back and wrap up the show, 720 WGN.